This podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. Are we not the bestest of friends already? Only in media. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast that, unlike its namesake, we're going to record the entire time and not stop with five seconds left and just say nothing. It's time to do a little stargazing. We had so much fun last week. Mark and Taylor are back with me. Taylor, Mark, how are you guys doing? I know what you just said. <laughs> you gotta laugh through the pain. That's, that's rule one of stargazing. You just laugh through the pain. I wasn't ready. You didn't warn us for that. <laughs> They're always funny. You just have to just roll with it. That's right. <laughs> we are doing great. We are the stars avalanche, not the stars flames. I mean, it's really a, a it's and we're going to start We'll we'll ease into this podcast, but we're, we're going to talk about the trade deadline. We're going to talk about we've had a busy week. So they played some games. Some stuff has happened. We're going to talk about literally all of it. So if you get to the end of the podcast and we haven't talked about something, you should go back and listen to the podcast again because we clearly talked about it and you just missed it. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> I want to ask a, per- a little perception game, a perspective game here. So if you had just flipped the Calgary game and the Colorado game, let's say Dallas plays uh, Calgary on Saturday and Colorado on Monday. To what degree does that change your perception of the last week of hockey? I think if the Colorado game was yesterday on Monday, I would have been like, Oh, we're finally out of our slump. (laughs) But now I'm like, dang, I'm not sure. (laughs) That was out. I feel for one, one, I feel the same way. And two, it's crazy that I feel the same way because they, they went three and one this last yeah. week. Three and yeah. one. And they beat Colorado. Like, it's not, it wasn't a bad week until the end. And it was a real bad week. Yeah. Can you, can you imagine how bad that Sunday would have been, though? Oof. I mean, you, you, you just, I mean, let's face it. You, you had some squeakers against some very bad teams. And then you do that against the Flames on Saturday, and your Sunday is is depression because you know you have Colorado coming up. Then all of a sudden it's like, okay, that's what the the team went into the room. They they had an all hands meeting and they figured it out. Yeah, we're we're definitely there's definitely a they figured it out narrative for the Colorado game if it had happened after Calgary. That's so so then, and, and Taylor, feel free to chime in. Does that mean that on Sunday they had a meeting? And they decided to not figure it out. Like I don't, I don't know. So maybe they, they had, just had brunch instead. Well, they had a public practice, and I was there. I got to interact with almost all of them there. Um, there were like five players that weren't there, and you know what they didn't work on was puck handling and passing. And then the Calgary game. What could we not do? Skate with the puck. <laughs> like I, like it was on fire yeah and i know i talked about it last week but last game against calgary just felt like it probably was the worst puck handling game that we've had all season it was it was rough to watch yeah and, and it's funny to say that about a game it's it's again it's and it's sort of a microcosm of the dallas stars right on on the one it's it and it reminds me of the old homer simpson frozen yogurt um cursed bit right it's like you know, the Dallas Stars gave up two goals. Oh, then they scored two goals. Yay. You know, the, the two goals were also cursed. You know, they just every time it, it was a game that it, they just were were fighting the entire time. 
in the sense of struggling to play hockey well. And they kept, at least for me, right, I kept thinking, okay, well, they're clearly over whatever has afflicted them and things are about to get better. Oh, but no, Calgary scored again. Well, crap. We're right back to where we started. Well, the yeah. thing is, I'm not I'm not convinced that Calgary's a very good matchup for this Dallas Stars team. And we, we used to have this physical edge and and we've you know, we still have been around and we brought in Marchment, but every everything else is much more skilled, much uh, yeah. uh, smaller in size. And Calgary really brings the physical game. And I think it throws us off a little bit, especially on the back end. And, and, and when your defenders aren't moving the puck and passing it. It just kind of feeds up through the rest of the team. I mean, it, there, you know, some stats to back that up, right? And, and hits are always subjective. Well, the Dallas was the home team, so you'd think this would be in their favor. But Calgary out hit Dallas 33 to 24. What really jumped out at me, though, is Calgary was credited with, uh, sorry, Dallas was credited with 22 giveaways uh, as opposed to 12 for the Flames. So I, I think you're right. And this is something that even goes back to that bubble playoff series that Dallas won. Like Calgary has always been, not always, but in the, the current iterations, right? Calgary has been a tough matchup for the Stars. They have they've struggled. Yeah, and I mean it, it, it's kind of indicative. You have you have your random Richie scoring on you, and and that's just kind of the way it works. Richies are are not good when they're playing for the Stars, but when they're playing <laughs> against the Stars, they cause some damage. Yeah, maddening, maddening. Yeah. And it, well, it must be said, though, Calgary, I think, heading into the game was riding a I think it was a three game winning streak. So while while the Flames are on the fringes of the you know Western Conference playoff setting, you know, they're 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 on the struggle bus a little bit in that regard. They have been better lately. Uh, yeah. So they yeah. So it's, it's just been one of those. Uh, well, uh, I, 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 I think actually the opposite. They they, they were three, three, three four and three or something like that. They, they haven't been on a real heat. No, you're, you're, you're and, absolutely and this is, right. I apologize. This is, uh, th- this was a, yeah, this was a game where it was kind of a must have for Calgary. And so you knew they were going to come in motivated. <laughs> yeah. It just, our, our stat guy messed it up being me. Yeah. That Calgary had lost five in a row <laughs> heading into the game against Dallas. So please uh, take that as, as confirmation of just how good at this I am. At least we caught you on it, Wes. Yeah. We could have just rolled with that for the you know, 15 minutes on the podcast, <laughs> you know, <laughs> There's there's something to be said for that. So, yeah, it's Taylor. Is that you know you you do you feel the same about the, the sort of the matchup issue that Calgary improbably seems to bring to bear against the Stars? Yeah, I think I could even say that against uh, the Chicago team. I was or the Chicago game. I was at the game and I just I said to the person I was sitting next to, I'm like, they are all over us and we cannot handle it. Like they might be, you know, AHL players and a little less talented, but they were on us the whole time and we couldn't, we couldn't make anything happen. And same thing with Calgary, except for, I think they're a little bit bigger and, you know, then they have the skill to add to it. And here we are finding ourselves fighting back the whole game, um, which I think we did well considering we had to come back multiple times, but yeah, I think they're tough and the places we lack in physicality shows against teams like that. Uh, I was going to say, so physicality is that then contrasting that with the Colorado game where everything very much went right. Is it, is it physicality? What is so very different about the avalanche that lets Dallas, I mean, seven to three in a lot of ways flattered the avalanche basically like Dallas, Dallas played him out of the rink for most of that game. And then it's, you know, sandwiched between, you know, the, the, the kind of, they struggled to get going against Chicago and ultimately came apart against the flames. So what, what was different about Colorado? Um, I don't I don't think the Avalanche are just as physical, but I always feel like we 
played pretty well against the Avs. Like, I know we've lost a few here and there, but statistically, I feel like we win the majority of the times we meet them. And so I don't know if that's just one of those things where, you know, we always play poorly against Calgary and we always play well against the Avs. Um, But it seems like we generally have their number a lot of the time. So I don't know. The Avs game wasn't super physical to me. I think it was more just we were on and they weren't. I think McKinnon and McCarr were invisible for most of the game. Well, and it's one of those things where I think we can unleash Miro in, in a way against Colorado. Right. That where he offsets a lot of their skilled players. And so we take away something that's kind of special for them. Right. And and their goaltending is a bit weak. And so some of the things that Dallas takes advantage of things against Colorado that uh, they can do. And then they cover up and and take care take away some of the advantages that Colorado has. Yeah. And and, and it's kind of you know you talk about Chicago. Chicago has this kind of cherry picking fast game. That's the weakness that the Stars have. And so again, that's a that's a matchup issue that uh, this isn't isn't just this year. This goes back for the last several years, where where Chicago brings a kind of pace that the Stars don't handle very well. I even had a conversation with someone um, yesterday, in fact, about if we got matched up with Edmonton, and they were like, "Oh, Connor McDavid's on one this year, like he'll blow you out of the water." And I was like, "No, Miro generally handles him. In fact, um, he's only scored on us like twice since like 2019." one being this year and he's only scored on Dallas 11 times in his whole career so I'm I was like Edmonton is not really like a huge concern I know they've made some moves but uh yeah when we have Miro who can shut down you know the the goal scorers then we're good but he can't do it all the time he can't be on the ice all the time and again it comes back to that when Dallas can get into a bit more of a flowing kind of north-south game they they seem to be they're they're at their best, but um, that just they couldn't they couldn't get untracked against Calgary. It seemed like every time it started to click and every time they started to come together, something would happen, and they would be right back where everything started down down two goals seemingly. But you know it's at the same time looking at the totality of the week as as frustrating as that game was. This is a team that of eight possible points right picked up six of them. And that's not bad work, right? So it's it comes back to like it's the classic Dallas Stars conundrum of what matters more, the aesthetics of losing a tough game in the last minute to the Calgary Flames or the broader big picture of getting three regulation wins in four chances over the course of a pretty make-or-break week while – you know, while adding two relatively new pieces into the roster, you know, like that's it, it again. And maybe flip it, flip it even more. Right. If, if Calgary had scored at the start of the third period in the first minute of the third period, instead of the last minute of the third period, how does how does the perception of that game change? Yeah, and I may- mean, I, I think I think just it, it's much more frustrating, I think, as as somebody who's interested in the stars as a fan than it is maybe even for the team. I, I think that it's a loss, but it was a loss that kind of came at the, at the end of something where, where we fought back. And as a fan, you just kind of go there and throw your, your head in your hands and say, what in the world are we doing? We just, we finally got back to the point where we were going to go get our one point because we were going to lose in overtime. And so you toss away the one point. Um, as the team, 
you you kind of recognized that you screwed up and you didn't have uh, you you made a bonehead play or two and there were a bunch of people who were out of position. So fine, deal with it. Maybe that's motivation to go and and be on top of your game on the road. You you, you kind of have to have us against the world mentality on the road, anyways. And so this gives you motivation. Well, and I think on top of that, it's like we were coming out of the slump. We killed the abs. And so we're like, okay, we're back. And then, you know, we struggle in the Calgary game and, but it looks like, you know, we'll at least get a point. And then just the dagger. So we're now you're like, are we out of the slump? Like we just lost in what felt like the worst way. Right. <laughs> so right, I think but it, it was kind of a stupid way that, that that's fixable. It's not that you lost because you have, you know, you're you're just in a slump. You lost because you did something dumb. Well, okay, so that begs the question. We've had multiple games of these where we've, you know, the game-winning goal has been scored in the last minute, and there's one particular player who's been on the ice every single time. So is is it a fluke? Well, I I'm <laughs> I, I hope you're not talking about Jake Ottinger. No, <laughs> uh, no, Yanni Hockenbach was on the ice for every single one. Yeah, I I think it is a problem. And I think it comes down to, and this is something that, this was a rationale that emerged when Dallas traded for Jamie Alexiak when they brought him Mm -hmm. back from Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. And it it was also the rationale used to explain, oh gosh, why am I blanking on the big, big, nasty, the Kling, Heiskanen's partner, his first season with the Stars. Polak, Roman Polak. Roman Polak, thank you, thank you. But there is a line of thinking that Teams need a defenseman that can lean on the boards and stop a cycle. And there's this there's this this idea that and it's not exactly something it doesn't manifest incredibly clearly in metrics because it's not a zone exit. It's not a giveaway. It's not a takeaway. It's not a you know, it's not a possession play. But there's there's a line of thinking that says at some point when a team is is cycling on you or even just. When there is, you know, whether it's a prolonged stretch in the defensive zone or or just a, a series of shifts that are starting to tilt the ice a little bit, there's value in a guy that can just put the puck against the wall and hold it there for a couple of moments while everything else around calms down. And again, it's, it's it was part of why Polak was in the equation. It's part of why, the, why they went back and got Jamie Alexiak. It was part of the value proposition behind Yanni Hockenpah when they got him. And we've talked a lot about the defense this year. And he sort of is that. There's there's nobody else really on the, the defensive side of the of the roster for the stars that, that profiles in exactly that way. And so I, I do wonder if part of it is he gets put out there because physically he profiles as the guy that does that. And he's the only guy that profiles that way on the stars. So clearly that's the guy they need in those situations. And, you know, it's it's been kind of obscured by you know ryan Suter is a higher profile target but this hasn't exactly been a banner season for hawk and pod in a no. lot of ways either yeah oh I'll, I'll buy that um but you know that I, I i don't know that i can place this whole thing on hawk and paw there, there were there were multiple mistakes in that last 15 seconds where we went from moving the puck uh in the offensive zone to having a one-on-one with uh with ottinger so, you know, yeah, Hawk and Paw was part of that, but we had defenders that uh, that, that got a little deep. We had a, a play into the middle to nobody that uh, that really wasn't called for. So fine. Live and well, learn. And in New York being the other high-profile example, you're exactly right, right, to, to dismiss this as 
Um, yeah, and and that doesn't that in no way, Taylor. I think there is absolutely smoke and fire with the fact that Hakava keeps being involved in these situations. But it's it's a lot like looking at the you know the game they lost to St. Louis in the playoffs way back when and saying, oh, if only Jamie Benn had completed his wraparound. It's not it's not incorrect. But at the same time, fixating on that obscures kind of broader problems. And that, you know, like I said, the New York game jumps out as well about this is a team that has the, the Tampa Bay game, right? This is a team that it feels like not all the time, right? And they're perfectly capable of doing it to other people. I, we, we joked about this in the pre-show. This is a team where if somebody, if, if a future version of me walked out of a time machine and said, Wes, I'm going to tell you how the rest of the season goes – literally any explanation, right, would be acceptable, right? Oh, they they won the Stanley Cup. They got disqualified. You know, whatever. It, any any variables in play. But it does seem like elite teams or high-end teams can tilt the ice on the stars and turn those close games into ties and into wins in a way that is, you know, if, if Dallas doesn't get, you know, that, that big lead against Colorado is that, how does that game turn out? It, it seems like they do have a little bit of a problem when they can't pull away staying ahead in close ones. Well, and I think they had a, a there was a stat on, on on the game broadcast yesterday that Calgary loses a lot of one goal games, obviously not last night, but uh, and then they were playing the Stars who lead the league in wins where they have uh, three or more goal, goal uh, difference. So there, there's a way I think where the stars, if they, if their game isn't going absolutely the way it needs to, that uh, that they may have some issues with tight games, especially when they aren't allowed to kind of free form and when they get stuck in their own zone, and and, and you kind of see this. Stars are having trouble problems with people who can cycle on them and people who can aggressively mm-hmm. forecheck them. And if they get away from that and if they can get some pretty clean zone exits, then all of a sudden you see this, this stars game where, you know, the, we're scoring off the rush. Uh, we're getting a little bit of zone time. Um, but it's really that transition from the D to the, to the offense yep. where the stars get most of their offense and, we have a defensive core that doesn't necessarily make that work, except potentially for Miro. And uh, we have a defense also that has a tough time with the cycle because we don't have a whole lot of bulk other than Hockenpah. And so they're, whether it's Suter and Lundqvist or whether it's Miro and, and Colin Miller, you don't have these guys who can, you know, their defense on getting out of the zone is being making quick decisions and being good with their sticks. It's not having a body that can just break up the cycle. I agree. And that's that's why I use this segue. That's why I found their trade deadline so very fascinating, because I felt like in the deals for Domi and Dadnoff, it was the Dallas Stars more leaning into a strength than correcting a weakness, right? So instead of going out and finding that bulk and finding the defensive coverage that might have changed that equation. They leaned into bringing in creative players that they could afford and fit under their and manage under their cap in in those middle six roles to potentially, you know, because the, the two lines of thinking, right, are I can either I can either stop the cycle by having large physical players that can interdict, take the puck and move the play or I can stop the cycle by just not letting it happen in the first place by virtue of having a, a you know collection of players that can think and move and pass and progress quickly, thus never getting into a situation where a cycle can develop in the first place. Right. And the thing is, 
what is this Dallas Stars team? Because we're so used to Rick Bonus and Hitchcock and Montgomery hockey, where the defense is the primary place that we're putting our emphasis. And with this team, I think we're starting to see that the defense is not necessarily the the strength of this team. And so, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. They're leaning into the offense, but it's more along the lines of we think we can outscore our not not humongous deficits, but definitely deficits that we have on the defensive end. And we aren't used to as Dallas Stars fans seeing the Dallas Stars having problems on defense. That was the core. That was their identity. And it's not that anymore. Well, not only that, but the defense is wasn't easily fixed because their hands are tied to, you know, people with no movement clauses, people they don't want, you know, whether the fans are right as the problem. Um, and then so you would have to compromise. I think Niels Lundqvist would be the one that would be compromised if they even moved for a defenseman. So I think I think it was easier to also just address the offense because the defense would have required either moving someone or some finagling that wouldn't have really addressed the issues that were there anyways. And I think that's bang on. And I think that's, you can see a lot of why Nil went the direction he did. So yeah, first off, you know, a serious conversation. Hey, Hey guys, a serious conversation with the let's get rid of Ryan Suter crowd is that that's just between the salary, the age, the production, the performance, the no move, like that's just not a reality. Right. So right. Like you said, this they're really what's what's the slot, right? To make a change in this defensive view. Well, Lundqvist, they just they just spent a, you know, potentially a first rounder on the kid, depending on things on how the conditions break, right? So there are our draft assets, assets invested. You know, he's in his first season. Performance has been largely positive and and you know, curves move in the right direction. So okay, you're not gonna get rid of him. Lindell does his role, right? Um, you know, he's he's very much even if you whether you overrate, underrate, or rate his value to the team, he's in the category of, okay, well, if if they got rid of him to make a change, they would have to replace him as well. Okay, so that, that doesn't work. Miro, obviously not. So so really what you're looking at is in terms of, of spots are Colin Miller and Yanni Hockenpah, because again, nobody's taking Suter off your hands. Yeah. And, and, you know, Miller and Hockenpah. Miller's even been fine next to Miro. So, you know, you start looking at the market and what are you – what what was there yeah. and then you know bringing something in okay well even if you even if you find the right player and find the right deal and, and upgrade let's just let's just say it's colin miller well what does that do to um what does it do to thomas harley yeah and, and so it like, doesn't it doesn't fix the lines that are the actual issues and if you move yeah, you, you, that's a great point you still have ryan Suter and hockey on the probably, other one unless you get a guy just like hockenpah right because if you he's yeah. sort of a lighter version of the Lindell conundrum. And if you, if you make a move to replace Hockenpah, you probably have to also, you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, you lose physicality, you lose our, like our, our top hitter. So there was no easy way to fix the defense. So I think they just settled for not even trying. (laughs) Now, now Mark, I want to bring you back in. So do you think that was the right approach? Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously had some some desires to look at Klingberg for that position. We'll see how he does with Minnesota. I'm I'm kind of interested to see uh, Klingberg against Dallas and see how they deal with it. But I think ultimately, yeah, they they uh, they decided to double down on on fixing the offensive holes, and it's going to be kind of interesting. I'm 
I'm fascinated with what's going on with Sagan Marchment and Domi. And and this specifically because they are so obviously bad on the defensive end. Yeah. I mean yeah. that's sec that second goal that, that we gave up uh, against Calgary was just a direct result of some incredibly bad defense. But on the other hand, you have these guys, both Marchman and Domi, can cherry pick with the best of them. And so it's mm-hmm. like the 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 pressure on the defense is is they need to take care of that that those defensive deficiencies. But if they don't and they turn the puck over, we're going full bore the other way with some skilled guys who can put the puck in the net. And so it's very high leverage hockey, which is fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, you know, Marshman got got off the schneid against Colorado and then Domi followed against the Flames. So it's 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 very much a situation where you you hit it head on that that line is not going to be well rounded. And it's not going to be a line where they're they're going to be you know relied upon to be solid defensively. Although, so to me though, the the interesting thing about that line is, and this is where Pete DeBoer is going to you know earn his money. I think that line will cause problems offensively for their opponents. So it's going to be that push and pull. Can can DeBoer figure out ways to deploy that line to maximize what they do well and minimize what they do poorly, whether it's, you know, matching them up with particular, you know, defensive pairs on the stars, you know, cherry picking line matchups on their opponents. Um, you know, occasionally I, I could, I think as well, part of why I really like the fact that they got Dadanoff and Domi instead of just one is, you know, now DeBoer can start mixing and matching pieces and, and maybe, you know, Delandria sees some time as a flex on that line or, or you know, there the stuff can get jumbled a little bit. So it, it will be interesting to see if that line can outproduce the problems that it's going to cause. And I'm, I'm kind of cautiously optimistic if, if maybe that seems completely insane, but I think they might be able to do it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, this it, isn't it, a situation. It's, it's not the, it's not the bad old days when Dallas had, you know, Jason Spezza, Jamie, Ben, Tyler Sagan, and there wasn't anybody else that could score, right? There, there are better lines on the team that are going to be able to take some of the tougher assignments. So if, if this is a line that, that if, if this is a line that has to outproduce second tier players, um, you know, second tier, if this line has to outproduce the depth of the teams Dallas is playing, they could be in a really good situation. Yeah, I was I was wondering if um, he was ever going to consider switching Dadanov and Domi just because of that. And I think to me, uh, Dadanov is he's a little bit more calm player, whereas, you know, Mason Marchment can get wild sometimes. And so <laughs> um, I was wondering if someone more cool, calm and collected could add something to that line. But Domi, he's fast and um, him and Mason Marchment can make some slick passes and they were they were connecting them to each other. So I'm interested to see them a couple more games, but if they if they are a huge issue, um, I w- I'm curious to see what his answer is going to be to that as well. And I will say I I really liked Domi's goal as far as yeah. a, a a line play. Like I think that was the result of you know very good forecheck pressure. Sagan makes a, a play, forces a turnover, kind of feeds it across. Both Marchman and Domi are in a position to be dangerous. Like I thought, you know. If, if, as you said, Mark, the goal against is kind of an illustration of that's the factor of the line and why you cringe. <laughs> but the Domi goal is the one that you see and you tilt your head like, well, if it if it's more Domi goal than, you know, than goal against them, they, they could be onto something here. And we'll have to, you know, we'll, we it's two games. 
one of which was played without the benefit of Max Domi having a practice with the team. So, you know, we're we're going to see. And I guess that's the benefit of Dallas being towards the top of the standings as we head into this home stretch is they do have some time to figure this out. And they're, they're going to have to and we're going to see where they uh, we're going to see where they land. So we are going to take a quick break, pay the bills, say hi to the sponsor, and then we'll be back to talk a little bit more about the stretch run kind of post deadline season. You know, Mark. People get hurt from car accidents, medical malpractice, and other personal injury accidents, but they never call an attorney. They leave thousands of dollars in medical bills and lost wages on the table that could otherwise be covered and instead just take the insurance company's word. This is silly when you could just call Robert Greening at Greening Law. Greening and his green team are fierce legal competitors for you against the insurance companies. Consultations are free, so you have nothing to lose. And there are no hourly attorney fees either. They only get paid if you recover. Right? These folks definitely need to call Robert Greening and the Green Team. Sure do. So remember, if you've been hurt in an accident, been a victim of medical malpractice, or have been hurt on a business's premises, call the Green Team at Greening Law in Dallas, Texas at 972-934-8900 now. They will fight your legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. Greening Law, Office Dallas, Texas. All right, now. One well, thing I, I, I wanna... here, I, Wes, before we go, I, I'd like to push back a little bit on Taylor. I, I'm kind of buying into this whole chaos line thing. <laughs> and and I like the Donov with Ben and, and Johnston. Mm-hmm. I think the top line works fine. I think if you end up breaking things up, you have to include the first line in it. And I don't know that Dallas is ready for that. So I'd say there are three solid offensive lines out there and there aren't a whole lot of other teams out in the NHL that can support that. Yeah. And so, yeah, there are some defensive downsides. So it's a little higher leverage than I might feel comfortable with. But, hey, I, I'm I'm in it for the entertainment, too. And, and <laughs> that is a fun line to watch. Yeah, it is. They get they get squirrely. And I think I think Domi can kind of keep up with Mason's chaos in the way that he can, you know, be around him and move quickly. And he impressed me with how explosively he moves off the first like two steps. So maybe it'll work out. I'm not against it by any means. I just, um, if they can't, you know, hold it together, I think someone with a little bit more poise could be the answer, but. Well, I think the beauty of this is it's not a video game where you kind of lock into a line match and have to play the entire game with just those suits. I, I love the yeah. chaos as well. And I think that that's the way to go. But the, the thing that I, for me personally, what I loved most about the deadline is this went from being a team where really the only, the only bit of tinkering that, that DeBoer could realistically do was decide whether Mason Marchment was going to, you know, kind of flip Marchment and Delandria. And the, mm-hmm. that was really the only thing in his toolbox in terms of secondary scoring that he could try. And now there's more. And I love that. I, I think that's, you know, and that's again, to your point about, to both of your points, sorry about chaos and maybe you give up a little bit more. Well, that's, that's why they have Jake Ottinger. And guess what? That kid's the real deal. And, you know, we, we had this, we had, we had this perspective. I won't say argument because I think we all tended to agree, but, you know, back in the, in the Bishop years and, and historically with this team, one of our, our big gripes as a fan base has been, we have elite goaltending back there, right? Let, let, introduce a little bit more chaos and a little bit more risk into the equation offensively and the team will probably be able to soak it up yep. right yeah i mean i think yeah, so like it's worth is, a shot I, I think well and let's take a look at what the stars did in comparison to other teams in the in the western conference 
And the Stars were already one of the top teams in the Western Conference. And bringing in Domi and Dodonov, I think, adds to their strength within the conference. And I think they have a legitimate chance of making the the, the, you know, the Western Conference Finals and, and potentially the Stanley Cup Final. I mean, so, we, we talked previously. Yeah. Sorry, please go on. Well, I, I was just going to say it, that's kind of what you're looking for with these trade deadline moves. We did it without, you know, both these guys are on are, are on expiring contracts, so we didn't lock ourselves into anything. We didn't leverage the future. We didn't lose Bork. We didn't lose Stankoven. We didn't mm-hmm. lose Harley. I mean, this, the core of this team, if this doesn't work out, is still there, and it's going to get stronger as the years go by. So I really like it. I mean, obvi- arguably, the next year's team will be better than this year's team, no matter what happens. But, you know, I tend to look at it this way, right? When when thinking about things that swing a seven-game series, this the come before the trade deadline, right? Or you know, last season, things that could swing a seven-game series were basically Jake Ottinger in the top line, and mm-hmm. that was what we saw against Calgary. It, it almost worked, right? It very Jake Ottinger very nearly stole stole that game seven, and who knows what happens. So heading into this year. Thanks to the emergence of Wyatt Johnson and the addition of Mason Marchman, all of a sudden that list expands a little bit, right? There was still the top line, still Jake Ottinger, but all of a sudden we've got the Benazons going. Mm-hmm. And so now there's a one more layer, one more way that Dallas, you know, it's 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 no longer, yeah, Ottinger might get hot and steal it. The top line might go supernova. But now also we have, you know, riding matchups. Jamie Benn and, and Wyatt Johnson might make the difference in winning. You know, now now you go one level further, and it's it's what you're talking about. We still have Ottinger. There's still that top line. You know, Jamie Benn's going, and now you can add into the mix. It's not insane to think that the, you know, Domi, Sagan, Marchment line, just based on chaos, isn't good for a win or two in the postseason, yeah. right? I mean, that's, that's the optimist take, is that yeah. they could go crazy, have, you know, play a blinder, and all of a sudden that's a game the team doesn't win otherwise. Well, even even Jamie Benn, like, he's one of those players that can change the game on his own, and he's done that with his physicality, but now he can go score a goal, you know? And most likely if he's going to, based on the way this season's going. So, yeah, I think even without a ton of changes, you know, like you just mentioned, we're, we're better and Jake Ottinger's going to do what he's going to do, and he's going to be tough to be in in the playoffs. Yeah, and and you know playoffs are are one of those things where that's when matchups count. That's when coaching counts. And if I'm coaching against the stars and I'm setting up the matchups, and I have one shutdown pair and one offensive pair and a third pair, who gets ice time against who? Yeah. You know, you, you shut out, you, sh- you you put your hard guys against the top line, but then the stars still bring two lines that can, can put the puck in the net. And so you're never comfortable out there thinking that you have the stars shut down. And it, to me, the other piece of that is, right, one of the big knocks, and, and David Castillo, who does excellent work both for DVD and, and Dallas Magazine, should absolutely be followed and listened to and read. He's, this is by no means a... A shot against David, he made the point, the very fair point that, you know, somewhere down the line, Ty Domi, his defensive issues might cost the stars. And that's, that's true. And that is definitely the risk that's, you know, we're talking, we're taking the optimist path here, but the downside is in every bit as much as that line could turn things in a positive way for the stars, they could hurt them defensively. But the, the one thing that gives me hope is Domi doesn't have term. Dadunov doesn't have term. Now, DeBoer can afford if it's one of those nights, right? If he gets the inkling that it's just not there, that the chaos isn't working out in his favor, 
this isn't, you know, from a depth perspective, this is no longer a team that kind of has to shrug and say, well, we've got to keep him, you know, got, got to keep putting him over the boards because if not, you know, if it's not for him, then nobody else, you know, is going to score it. This is suddenly a team that can win the, the games matter when, when, you know, playoffs happen and when all this stuff's on the line, DeBoer is suddenly in a position where he can say, you know what? I just really don't like what I'm seeing out of player X tonight. So instead, I'm going to give those. You know, I'm going to start. I'm going to. I'm going to put Johnston on a couple lines. I'm going to. I'm going to bump Delandria up. I'm going to. You know, there. There are more. There's more pieces that can be shuttled yeah. around. So you're. You're more insulated against somebody struggling. Whereas before the deadline and before those two deals, if somebody was struggling, what are you going to do? Put Put Radic Fox on a scoring line? Like we we mm-hmm. we know that's not going to work. <laughs> Well, it may if he's playing with Ty Domi, but but seeing as he's probably playing with Max Domi, I would say that we're probably uh, we're probably okay either way. Ty would throw some punches. Yeah, but again, it's just to me, you know, this, and this is a team to this point that's been very equal in terms of ice time. All the, everybody, pretty much everybody, is between fifteen and eighteen minutes a night for the most part. But all of the sudden, that can slide, and it can slide based on how people are playing and. That is a that is a soft advantage for a good coach in a tight playoff series. Talking about matchups, oh, this is working tonight. This is not working tonight. I need to lean into this. I need to hide from that. All of the sudden, Dallas as a you know the forward unit with Dallas is a unit that can do different things in different ways and can react and adjust based on what's happening. Versus previous to the trade deadline. They could sort of do the Dallas thing, and if it worked, they were going to win, and if it didn't work, they weren't going to win. Yeah, by far the most depth we've had in recent years, which is a nice, you know, problem. I don't know if it's ever we've ever even had a team in the last five years where we've talked about having three lines that can s- score a goal and score a goal on purpose. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> you might have to go back to like the Richard Ribeiro era to see a team that had legitimate threats outside of the the you know they they've always had the supernova first line but yeah this is it's been a while since there was a team that that had had as many threats down the lineup as this version seems to right now uh, now i just had a funny thought let, let let me throw this line out there for you just just for pure chaos um max domi ty delandria and jamie bench into my into my veins into my veins <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen while that line's on the ice. I just know that I want to watch it happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they you might know, fight been... each other. They might fight the other team. Yeah, we're seeing I've pro been... wrestling style finishing moves. <laughs> I've been enjoying Deli on the fourth line. I think he's he's adding some like little, you know, just a pump of energy that I think they needed. And Kiwi Kiwi being back was nice, but um, just with Fox, I think Deli was a little bit of energy yeah I, I i think having delandry on the fourth line is just it's a bonus because all of a sudden you have somebody with with some decent skill that's down there mm-hmm. getting getting fourth line minutes and you know kiwi's gonna get better i he he obviously wasn't a game pace yesterday um but i think the combination of those three is is what i would consider to be a superior fourth line and kind of a traditional fourth line yeah it is, and the the other thing I like about it is again talking flexibility. All Delandria is going to give that line some spice. Is going to give that line some skill. He's also going to be capable of playing up the lineup if they need a penalty killer. If again we mentioned if somebody if they feel like they need to jolt 
the you know the Sagan line or the Ben line like Delandry is a guy that can play that fourth line role and can play it well and can add value to the team but unlike some of the other options in the stars can also do more if he needs mm-hmm. to or you know again coach's intuition if he if there are nights when Delandry if, if the legs are going if the hands look good he's he's a guy that you can trust with more minutes when circumstances call for it versus a hardcore stuck in a box no this this guy is a fourth liner and you better not need him for anything else more than that mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean we we've pushed talent down the lineup which means yeah. that the team got better which is what you what you want to be doing so we once again you know we talked last week about how you know, the, the the week between podcasts was going to be really instructive given who Dallas was playing. And I think in a lot of ways it, it, it simultaneously was incredibly enlightening about who the stars are while telling us absolutely nothing about <laughs> who the stars are. Sorry. It, it doesn't get any, any clearer. So they've got a two-day break, which is nice. And then it's Buffalo, two away games at Seattle, then Vancouver, and that'll be on, on Tuesday, followed by Edmonton. Calgary again, right? So another little stretch of, you know, the Kraken are, are overperforming and have been, you know, very good pace setter in the Pacific. Buffalo, I am, I am all for the Tage Thompson experience. Mm-hmm. It, let's just let's go, baby, let's go. You have the we promise we're not rebuilding Vancouver Canucks, and then you know <laughs> Connor McDavid and Powell. So it's it's going to be another interesting week. What are you guys? What are you guys watching for in the next you know half dozen games or so? Um, I think they need to be able to put it together a little bit more. Obviously, I don't think we're going to see the Colorado Stars right back off the bat, but I need to see some more consistency skating the puck through the zone not panicking when they can't and getting out of our defensive zone we have to be able to clear the puck what do you think mark i mean i'm kind of ready for the regular season to be over we're we're kind of we're okay defensively we have some things to work out with new people on the uh on the forward side but this is a playoff team and let's get ready for the playoffs and and you know we'll we'll win our games we'll lose our games we'll probably go to overtime more than i care for we'll probably lose a lot more than that um i i wish that we would win more because i think being the number 1 seed here would be uh would be advantageous but i don't think it's you know we we can play out of the two slot or the three slot and and yeah you get a few less home games if you do that but i think this team is built for the playoffs and uh, and so let's get to it yeah i i think for me it's it's are we going to get a 5100 season out of jason robertson he's he's 12 goals and i believe 20 points away from um from 50 goals and 100 points on the season and wouldn't wouldn't that be something to see on top of you know kind of what better way to like usher in this next you know the the ottinger robertson hence here haskin and this next era of dallas stars i think one of the most amazing kind of exclamation points you could put on that transition would be um him hitting those milestones and you know they're gonna need it I, i i i am a little bit more i would like to see them i'd like to see dallas stay at the top of the conference i'd like to see them not fade for a lot of different reasons um and and kind of assert themselves that way so i'm a little bit more invested in the race at the top but not not a ton i'm not gonna you know to your point i'm not gonna lose any sleep if they finish second in the conference or in the division instead of first but as much as it would be nice so yeah I'm, I'm, i've got my eyes on roberts and i'd really like for him to go on another another heater to to close things out would be fantastic 
Well, and, and here's kind of here's kind of this wasn't my initial hot take for the night, but my hot take right now is I we we've over the last couple months lost some of the sparkle off of the top line. And I think this last 20 games of the season here is a point where we get hints and Pavelski and Robertson back to clicking. And and I'm looking for a, a, a renaissance of that uh, of that trio, especially now that we have two other lines that can score goals. They're they're not going to get as much as much attention as they have been. And I think they, as a trio, go on a heater. And I, I think you know we're starting to see signs of it from I think February 25th. Um, Hints has one, two, three, four, six. He's got seven goals, and I think seven in six games since, um, you know, since the calendar. So we're, we're starting. Pavelski got off the Schneid finally. I think that we're. I I would like to see that as well, and I think we're starting to. I mean, he has been. Rupe has just been dynamite over the last little stretch, and it's just a matter of, you know, Robertson's been consistent. Pavelski looks like he's picking it back up. If if those three can can get back in sync like the way like we know they can, this this is a I like you said, I'd I'd love to see what this team looks like when that line is really in full flight and also has two very fleshed out and functional threatening lines beneath it. Yeah, I mean the thing that I they they've been scoring, but you know, at the beginning of the season they had this little swarm that would go where where they just dominated puck possession in in the offensive zone mm-hmm. and they would anticipate where the other guys were going to throw the puck and and ultimately they'd just get something wide open where some somebody would just pot it and we haven't really seen that from them lately and I'd love to get back to it love it all right any any final thoughts mark taylor anything as we bring this thing into the barn um, the only thing I wanted to touch on was Wyatt Johnston passing the most teen, uh, goals for a teenager. I think he deserves some credit. He deserves he deserves a lot of credit. That's mm-hmm. you know we talk about Jamie Ben, we talk about all the positive storylines. It's it's funny on in any other season Wyatt Johnston would be you know number one on the marquee, uh, the the big definitive storyline for the Dallas Stars. It's a testament to all of the positive and everything going on with the squad that he's, you know, he's what, like the the third or fourth real storyline for this group. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I realize that him and Joe Pavelski are tied in goals, and I think just, I just hope they argue about it at home. Like I'm gonna get more goals than you. I think I hope they do that. <laughs> you know, there's there's a there's money on the board there, right? There's yeah. there's he Johnston gets out of dishes after dinner if he's leading in goals. I think that's, that's, there's got to be something. Yeah, it's amazing how little the national media is paying attention to Wyatt Johnston. Because I mean, it, he, it isn't it. I, yeah, I agree, how how, but, how is he not in any discussions? Well, the honestly, the answer is Jake Ottinger and, and Jason Robertson. When you've when you've got a guy that's in the you know, upper elite echelon of goaltenders. And when you had a guy that is that at one point had more points and goals or sorry, more goals than Connor McDavid, it's a little bit difficult for a 19 year old. And, and this is, I'm, I'm not underplaying his accomplishment. He's been fantastic, but it's a little bit difficult for a rookie with 30 points in 64 games, even though he's a teenager, even though, you know, as amazing as it is, it's a little difficult to get that oxygen when you're, you know, when the other people in the conversation are a former Art Ross winner, Long-time con- uh, contract albatross is kind of uh, breaking through, and when your goaltender is capable of doing incredible things every night, and when you've got a 5100 threat on the roster, like there's there's only so much you can talk about. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see him and uh, him and Beniers, uh kind of go head to head. We haven't seen Seattle yet, so that's uh, maybe maybe we get a little bit more 
elder talk after uh, after we see him go head to head. You do feel like he is one, you know, one heater away from really formal. He, he's probably in there already in the know, and he should be certainly. But we're probably you know one heater away from him really being a player in the rookie of the year conversation. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that conversation is taking place, and he's not in it, which is shocking. Well, all right. Thank you for your insight, guys. Uh, listeners, thanks for listening. Um, KT, thanks for making all of this make sense and fixing the the Mark's major profanity problem in post. And uh, don't forget to download, don't forget to like, do all of the things, hit us up on all of the socials, and we will speak next week. This podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.